0: Hello, and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 477. My name is Minter Dial, and I'm your host for this podcast, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. For more information, or to check out other shows on the network, please visit evergreenpodcast.com. This week's interview, I am delighted to say, is with my dear friend, Beatrice Dautzenberg. Beatrice is currently Managing Director for the L'Oréal Professional Products Division of UK and Ireland. Beatrice is a rare breed for many reasons. Not least is that she's an executive in a large multinational who knows and declares her personal purpose straight up. In this conversation with Beatrice, we discuss her tremendous career path Her experiences living and working in six different countries so far. The evolution of culture and leadership style at L'Oreal. The place and role of purpose. And some of the lessons learned in the transformation that the company has undergone during her tenure. You'll find all the show notes on mintodile.com. And if you have a moment, please do consider to drop in your rating and review. And don't forget to subscribe to catch all the future episodes. Now for the show wow 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 Beatrice Doutzenberg who would have thought all these years we've known each other what a pleasure to have you in front of me and to be able to talk about you your career what's going on at L'Oreal in your own words Beatrice how would you like to describe yourself
1: hello Minter what a pleasure to be with you I'm yeah so I'm Beatrice Doutzenberg the managing director of uh, the professional product division of L'Oreal here in the UK and in Ireland, uh, managing a wonderful team of uh, 400 person and working with uh, 50,000 hairdressers across the countries and and different business partners of the industry. If I had to describe myself, I would add that I am a a mother of three kids, uh, that I have traveled uh, across the world that sports play uh, like nature and beauty in all its form, diverse, uh, and an, an essential role in my life.
0: Beautiful kids that you have, and a wonderful husband, Bertrand, um, who I've had the pleasure to know as well along these years. You, you've had a crazy 18 plus years at L'Oreal. Well, crazy because you have certainly traveled a lot. So describe to us your career path and all the countries you visited and and uh, played in uh, over these years.
1: Yeah, actually, if we had my internship, it's almost uh, yeah, it's twenty years at L'Oréal. So uh, like uh, like half of my life, huh, really. That uh, I had uh, at L'Oréal, and I always say that L'Oréal is my second family. You know and. Uh, I met some uh, amazing people there that shaped me. And uh, actually, I want to shape that one of the amazing leaders that I had the chance to work with is you, Minter Dial. Oh. Uh, when, we uh, when I was in Paris, you know, in this Strategic Global Department in Paris. And I must admit, you have been one of the leaders that uh, shaped me the most at L'Oréal, sharing with me um, invaluable advice that I keep carrying and, and also giving to the young one. The first one is... Uh, the one that you describe so well in your book, you know, uh, you lead. Uh, but uh, lucky me, I had this advice, uh, you know, uh, 14 years ago. So it helped me for the rest of my career. Is, uh, um, you know, I ask you, what should I do? And uh, you know, what do you think? And and you give me this advice, and I know you give it to many CEOs since then. Is before to to know what to do, know who you want to be, mm-hmm. know yourself, and when you know who you are and who you want to be it's easy to know what to do and it really changed me it changed my life and i had a, a, we are not going to talk about it now but a, a strong journey of understanding who i was uh, to know better what i do and give me a lot of center so this is the first advice uh, that you gave me that shaped me the second one i remember you know um again when we had this conversation about uh, what to do in life uh, you, you, we were in a restaurant, you took um, a little napkin, and you draw on this napkin a little plus and minus, and you say, Beatrice, this is your day. When you start your day, you have a, like a battery, uh, a level of energy. And during your day, you will see people, you will make connections, you will do things that will give you a little plus. But you will already uh, meet people that drain you or do things that you don't like, and this will be the minus. To know what to do and to be successful in life, you have to find a way to have more plus than minus and to finish your day, you know, happy. Uh, And this is something that uh, helped me in my career choice, in my life choice, is uh, to say no to things uh, or to people, you know, that uh, sometimes are not uh, bringing uh, positive energy and uh, and to things that, uh, you know, don't add value. So I have the courage to say no. And uh, to say yes, a bigger yes to things that I love, that my, uh, you know, within my guts, you know, I'm truly uh, attracted by and that give me energy because I think I would be better at. I know it's the same when I hear people that can't wait to be in holidays or can't wait to be at Mm. home. And, uh, you know, I think it is a, it's important to change job in that case and to find in life something we love uh, to do, because um, life is too short uh, to not uh, live it fully. And uh, so thank you for this second advice on energy that love I it. truly love. And the third one is um, the one on timing. I think uh, you and me have in common the fact that we are uh, dreamers and maybe innovators and you much more than me, actually. Mm. And... Um, and, you know, we are going, I'm sure, to talk about sustainability, uh, you, you know, uh, after. But I remember when uh, 14 years ago, I guess, at L'Oréal, when you had this website uh, that was calculating the carbon footprint uh, of a salon, you know, uh, live, you know, within all the world. Um, and you share with me when you left the company um, I was too in advance, and it's important uh, the sense of timing. Uh, You know, when you deliver ideas uh, within business, and uh, um, it's important, of course, not to be late, but sometimes also uh, when you are in advance to take time and and to be... uh, uh, here at the right timing. So, three amazing advice uh, you know, uh, know who you are to know what to do, uh, find what gives you energy and do what gives you energy. And this question about uh, having a sense of timing for what is happening in the society. And while we see things before others, uh, it's important in terms of business to find the right moment also uh, to drive the project uh, with the right stakeholders. Uh, and um, it's something that uh, really I carry with me during all this year and that helped me uh, to get this- uh, career that I love. So thank you, Minta. <laughs>
0: oh, wow. well, it feels like many of those lessons or thoughts that I gave to you actually come from the mistakes and the errors in my way. So it's nothing better than learning from one's mistakes, eh?
1: Yeah, for sure. So you wanted to know about uh, the country I've been working uh, with, um, I've been lucky to do, um, you know, Erasmus in Spain, to study in France, in Ledeck. Um, I've been uh, working in France with a laboratory in marketing international. And then, uh, you know, at L'Oréal, we always uh, start on the ground. So I was in countryside driving a little car, having many accidents, because as every Parisian, I was a very bad driver, visiting- driving on, the
0: other side, driving on the other side of the road in a few countries too. Yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, um, it, it's been um, a learning curve, you know, um, working in Belgium, uh, which I truly love because uh, here I learned the dual culture uh, country. So between the Flemish and, 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 and the French, wow, uh, to deliver a plan, you know, with good ROI in this country uh, where you have, a, a, you know, this population, but already split in two, they don't watch the same thing, they don't speak the same language. One is more promotion-oriented, the other more like a French, you know, uh, different culture. So it was already a good learning. Um, I went in Canada, uh, you know, a country where everything is possible, you know, uh, at a time, you know, uh, where uh, Australia was a fast-growing economy, you know, and uh, um, it was really inspiring. Then going to Canada uh, with more North American uh, business model. What I love about Canada is in terms of marketing, you know, and addressing, uh, you know, with customer centricity, especially when talking about hair, you know, in Vancouver, half of the population have uh, hair that are uh, from Asian origin, so different type of marketing. We deliver some, uh, you know, some color kit trainings, you know, in Mandarin, you know, uh, there to truly adapt uh, to the populations. And you think about Toronto, which is more a mini New York. Uh, with uh, a lot of people from all the world, and then back to Montreal or Quebec, uh, with a much more French uh, aspect. And if you go to Alberta, it makes you think about Texas with more uh, a cowboy and petrol, gas. Yeah, totally different. Uh, for example, sustainable priorities that uh, in other parts of the country. So truly love my experience uh, also in Canada. And then uh, UK and Ireland. Uh, So uh, for me, you know, if I if I step back, you know, worldwide, um, I always see, uh, you know, United States, um, U.S., United States, yes, the UK, uh, you know, and Ireland, and um, and China, you know, as three countries where uh, things start before. Uh, It's it's extremely exciting um, for the hairdressing industry, but also for the digital landscape. You know, when we love tech. Uh, when we love transformation when we love brand uh, for sure uk is a country like no other and i must say i love my job like i've never done uh, you know i'm also surrounded by uh, an amazing team so uh, what i found uh, in this country is um is people that have been grew you know also it's, it's come from your education system huh? uh, you, you you have an amazing education system uh whether it's to learn about history science from a very young age but also I think uh, the, the British system has a capacity to learn to, to think uh, and to think differently. You know, my kids, for example, they go to this debating club and they talk about topic of the society that really impressed me. And I see that at work, you know, I see that at work because um, I believe not only there is this taste for innovation, uh, there is this um, action quotient that is very high. You know, uh, we talk about mm-hmm. IQ, you know, intelligent quotient, EQ, Emotional quotient, I think what makes companies successful at one point is to get the things done and the action quotient, and I think the Brit have this fantastic mix of IQ, EQ, and AQ, you know, which makes them, which make you, you know, a very successful country uh, of innovation, and of course, as a leader, when you face so uh, much disruption and you have to drive so much transformation, be surrounded by talented team that have it all, you know, it's a dream. So, uh, yes, I, I love working in the UK as a British advertising industry. Uh, uh, and The Irish one are one of the most advanced of the world. So uh, for sure, it's um, it's very inspiring.
2: <laughs> wow.
0: So you've just given us a, a very quick and cheap journey around the world. You've been on so many different continents and and certainly the, I was thinking about Belgium where I was born, um, the the bicultural aspect at some level, I think obviously Canada has more nuances, but very by by language anyway, two languages and how that's complicated and dealing with all those, whether the the Hong Kong community in Vancouver and goodness gracious, uh, different types of uh, populations and obviously in hairdressing too. So love your energy Beatrice. It's always good to see your smile and hear your energy. Those pluses obviously are clicking up. So 20 years, including your internship at L'Oréal, including time together with me, how would you describe the, the way, the style, the culture of L'Oréal, if it has evolved over the years? And and how has leadership changed? Because obviously, we, there's been a lot of change in that department too.
2: Yes.
1: So first, it's, it's, thank you for the question. It's a topic I'm passionate about. You know, I see uh, companies as a kind of a living body, you know, uh, and as a living body, you know, uh, uh, almost like a human, you know, uh, you know, that is composed by all the members of the company. Uh, it goes through time. It goes through history. And as, uh, you know, there have been changes in the society naturally L'Oréal have evolved. And I must say the, the company is in the same time, the same and totally different. Mm.
2: Uh,
1: it's the same. So what, what have we keep, you know, what have we keep in L'Oréal? Have a fantastic uh, DNA, you know, an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, this willing to go beyond, uh, the sense of adventure, uh, you know, this uh, uh, passion for, for customers, for the loves, for innovation. So all of that stays the same. Then I've been uh, seeing, um, like, like I believe, the society have have had a lot of uh, new things that are great. I saw them happening at L'Oréal. So I have some memories, you know, for example, of the launch of the Ethic Charters, uh you know, that may have happened 15 years ago. um So Ethic Charter, uh, uh, and it was very important to me, you know, because when I start, you know, in DMI, sometimes the way we were dealing with uh, I don't know, agency or stuff like that. I said, oh, we are, we are too tough. Uh, um, is it okay or not? Myself, you know, uh, I am behaving in the right way because I have the pressure of the deadline, uh, you know, and um, having this ethic charter, uh, plant, you know, and installating four values, you know, that are still the same that we carry really helped me. So the values are transparency, respect, integrity, and courage. And courage is for me the one that encompass uh, un- un- it all. You know, I have passion for courage, you know, as a world, as a value, because I believe, you know, it's, uh, it encompasses un- everything. It's, uh, it's a quality, you know, uh, the virtues that encompass uh, un- all virtues. When you have courage, courage to speak up, courage to be yourself, uh, courage to say when things are not wrong, uh, not, not right, courage to fail, you know, so it's it's a value that I cultivate and. I must say, still, for example, this month we have a, a focus on ethics with my team, where every Monday we have ethics talks with panel on how do we turn this beautiful world into concrete behavior and action, because uh, you know this is this is the key.
0: I would love to for you, to, because I mean, the idea of an ethical framework is many people talk about it, but the the challenge is you know it sort of can end up being a piece in an annual report, something that we we, we read about but making it come alive. So what is it? How do you structure this conversation around implementing the ethical framework, your ethical values?
1: So um, what we do is we have as much. So we have two things. So first, uh, we have a speaker policy uh, at L'Oréal. So uh, what does that mean? That means that we have uh, put in place a system for every employee when they feel something is not equipped, Ethic to be able to speak up so they can either speak to their manager to HR, but if they don't feel comfortable, we have other uh, line, you know, whether in the UK or or, or Ireland, whether in Paris, so that everybody can speak. So I think first uh, creating a safe space for people to speak is very important. Another example is we have, uh, you know, uh, some things that I love at L'Oréal, which is the uh, ethics day. So one day a year, the CEO, uh, Jean-Paul Agon started and Nicolas Hieronymus uh, courageously uh, continues. Can, he received live uh, questions from all the world, from all employees, and there is no filter. Uh, you can see it, because when you see the question, you're like, ooh, wow. <laughs> and he tackled all these questions live, you know. Uh, he doesn't have always all the answers straight away, but I think the courage to, uh, to, to, to show that every topic can be put on the table at L'Oréal is creating a culture uh, that is that is fantastic. Of course, always more to be done. And then the third thing we do is um, we try to have um, this talk where where all of us, we share uh, our difficulties, the questions we have. Um, you know, I think, for example, um, one of the compass, ethic compass that I take for me is uh, coming from Emmanuel Lulin that you have known, uh, Minter, that used yes. to be The chief ethics officer, which I truly uh, inspire, uh, truly inspire me. He always say, you know, because sometimes you have a choice between uh, two difficult decisions. What do you do? He always say, you have to be comfortable that the decision you take will be put the day after in the front page of a newspaper. Will you be comfortable that the decision you take will be in the front page of a newspaper? the word you use the action you did and if you are comfortable it will work and i love this because you know what i realize that um you know stress is something uh, you know in in companies that i uh, i want to fight you know because I, I believe company should be a place for uh, people to flourish and i want it to be a positive you know in the life of our team member and i believe that one of the reasons of stress sometimes is because we don't have this perfect alignment for example If I think something about an employee, but I don't have the courage to tell the employee in front, it will create stress. Uh, If I have something to say to a business partner uh, that I'm, you know, uh, that I'm not okay with, but I don't speak up, you know what I want to say, it creates stress. You know, if I have to uh, do things in business that I'm not sure that are all right, it creates stress. As long as you have better alignment, you know, uh, it makes life at the office uh, much better, much more relaxed, you know. So I also think that ethics is a way to uh, remove stress in companies. That's why I'm a big uh, advocate of it. But it's a journey. It's never enough. There is always more things to be done. Another thing also is I think as a leader, I have a responsibility uh, to, um, of course, uh, do warning when uh, behavior are not ethical, but also sometimes to take Difficult decisions. So in my career, I had to take difficult decisions. So uh, people that were extremely uh, smart, brilliant, performing uh, with a uh, full of experience, uh, you know, that were really helpful for me. But I had uh, sometimes, you know, to have uh, uh, to say goodbye to some people because um, there were some ethical behaviors that were not OK and it was not helping us to create the safety culture that we wanted to have in the company. So uh, I believe we are all the guardian of ETHIC and it's important. So ETHIC is one of the change I've seen during this year. And then there is another big change, which is the change of the leadership behavior. I mean, you have heard about this big (laughs) program called Simplicity. And and basically, what is Simplicity designed for is to help us to uh, manage better tension. Imagine the world we live in. You have at L'Oréal this tension between uh, you have to have big bets, but you also have to have proven product success. You want a worldwide reach, but a local relevancy. You want uh, to push innovation and to pull innovation. You want a customer perceived value, but you have to manage costs. You want to act with speed, but you want perfection. You want to think about the long term, and the short term, uh, you want uh, to have a, an operational strategic frame. Just do one, two, three. Stay, stick to it. But then you have this unexpected opportunity. So, um, what are the new behaviors that were needed? You know, and it was launched uh, ten years ago um, to uh, help us to better grasp this opportunity and uh, the polarity, you know, uh, of, mm. of the situation we live in. And, um, and uh, so Jean-Paul Agon, it has been led by the CEO of the company and we are still living and breathing with it, have launched this new uh, behavior because we believe that, uh, you know, if you want to change culture, you need to change behavior in a way. Amen. And, um, and it starts with this, um, with this fantastic uh, behavior. So uh, to give you some examples, uh, you know, of them, uh, um, test and learn is a new perfection. And, you know, it, it may it may be obvious today, but I can tell you that when I started uh, in L'Oréal, you know, 20 years ago, when we were in DMI, working on our mock-up on the brand, uh, you know, saying that uh, uh, test and learn is a new perfection. perfection uh, wow, this is something really big, and it takes time, uh, still today, you know, for people like me that have been grown up uh, at L'Oréal, um, to understand that sometimes, you know, uh, it is okay uh, that um, we don't have always a recipe for everything to be ready at start. I and mean, in digital, for example, It means we start with a MVP, uh, minimum viable product, uh, knowing straight away that we will have customer feedback of things to improve and being okay with it and and, and understanding that more than a a launch date, we are now entering into a cycle, life cycle and journey uh, where test and learn and this iterative approach um, is a new thing. So this is one example. Another example, which I uh, really inspire me and drive the way I have managed, uh, you know, the, the, the four years here, is customer satisfaction is a new product performance. So um, at L'Oréal, we always have wanted to have products that have what we call the supra-supplement uh, de qualité, like this extra quality, and the lab's work and test formula like 100 uh, times, 1000 times, you know, to make sure that we have the best, most efficient formula. Um, but what I, I would say that we have uh, really improved uh, uh, over the last years is uh, even more listening uh, to the customer and really truly putting the customer at the center of the organization. To give you an example, you know, when I arrive in this job, I create the role of customer experience manager, and we have managed NPS, so the net promoted score, uh, of, uh, you know, the experience that hairdressers have of our brand on every touch pencil. Do they like our education? Do they like our marketing? What about the delivery? What about the product? What about their experience on our website, you know, and every month we, we really uh, track uh, you know the score, we analyze the feedback and we create a feedback loop. So um, it's really different from before where we were obsessed by launching our product, you know and everyone having our product. So now it's uh, uh, what is the customer telling us?
2: Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show.
0: You Can I just interrupt a second, Beatrice? I love your uh, what you're talking about. It reminds me of a story uh, that I had when I was at L'Oréal and it, it'll, it'll be a reference to a product, a competitor product. And uh, at the time, you know, speaking about the competition was almost uh, verboten. You know, we're the best. It was the sort of the philosophy we used to carry around. And, and so we made a brief following a trend uh, that customers wanted, which was to have dirty hair. Uh, So there was a product, it was called Bedhead, and we explained the brief to the labs, well, we want to have dirty hair product. And they're like, "Well, well, excuse me, we make the best products. I say, yeah, I understand, but the best products that are wanted by the customer today include making your hair look, you know, basically like you just woke up. And uh, and we I'll, I'll ultimately managed to get it through, thanks to the pressure of the idea of what the customer was. But that that seems like a long time ago compared to what you say now.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's it's very interesting uh, you say so, uh, and, and I must say. Uh, um, you know, the customer listening culture has always been uh, within L'Oréal uh, culture. You know, I'm a big fan of uh, François Dalle uh, and uh, he always say it's not in the office that products are born, it's in store, in customer house. And he had this uh, culture of, uh, of, of going, uh, you know, listening to the customer. But it's true that sometimes, you know, we are disconnected. What I feel is um, digital, uh, listening, uh, social media, data help us uh, to be uh, more connected than before uh, on the customer. And if I may, I I think we are even about, we are going to talk about it after. So I I keep it after, but we are almost moving from a customer approach to a people approach, which is another level, but we are are going to to talk about it after. Because I want to come back on one behavior that, uh, you know, we talk about the simplicity behavior. One that I love is a a frame and trust is a new control. Uh, Together with cooperation is a new confrontation. Uh, you know, uh, we used to have, uh, remember in cliches, this uh, room of confrontation where you will bring, uh, you know, your product and you will be uh, challenges, because we believe at L'Oréal that the more uh, you have different point of view, the more you are challenges, uh, the more you can make your product or your ideas or your project better. Um, here, uh, I think uh, we, are move, uh, we have moved from a little different approach and uh, maybe a way to sum it all is um, something, uh, you know, a motto that we have now in, uh, here in our team in PPD uh, UKI is be nice with person and tough with problem. Nice with people and tough with problems, and I think uh, this is something uh, you know that uh, uh, we work on is uh, really creating this safe space where you can bring a project you work on for one year that uh, you love and be okay with the project to be challenged, uh, you know, uh, to turn it into uh, something better. It's to be okay with uh, having some time uh, to face some failures, uh, but that doesn't mean uh, you are not good uh, or not, you know, is uh, being able to take more. So I think uh, this this is something that I'm quite passionate about and uh, creating a space where people are trusted, where people are safe, and where they can be themselves, you know, uh, with their full personality, they can take risks uh, and they can make mistakes. And I think this is, of course, a route, uh, a path to excellence and to success. So um, yeah, this is um, a little what I wanted to share about uh, about the change, uh, you know, of uh, of behavior. And maybe last, one last one. Uh, it's called uh, "Eat what you cook uh, before uh, leave uh, before it burns." Basically, what what does it say? That says that. Uh, we have a longer term vision, you know, uh, before, you know, at L'Oreal, even in the way we were changing role, uh, yeah. there was this idea of being promoted quickly, uh, you know, and getting what's the next role, what do I do next? Now it's more about uh, legacy. I am mean, interview you offer me this book, Legacy in the Making, that I truly love. I have another here, legacy book, that I recommend actually to everyone from James Kerr that uh, teaches us uh, what we can uh, learn from the all blacks, you know, uh, on the business of a life.
2: Yeah.
1: It, it's, it's an amazing one, actually. Mm. And I'm passionate about this idea of a legacy in the making. Um, and this is it, you know. In a way, when you work for a company that has been existing for 112 years, that will exist for the next 1000 years, uh, the question is uh, um, what do you want to bring? You know, what do you want to, uh, how do you want to contribute? You know, in the time frame that you have your position. So it's very important to take time to understand what do you inherit from the people that was were there before us? And what do you want to shape for the people that will be there after? And uh, I, I love that. I love to work for a company, you know, that is a, that has stability, you know, in the stakeholder, uh, you know, uh, in the holding, you know, of the, of the company, because that gives us uh, freedom to think, uh, of course, of short term, we want to deliver, but also longer term. And that gives us freedom to build a bold project, you know, uh, like who can say today, I have 10 years to build a platform, I have 20 years uh, to think. I don't know many companies where you have this freedom, and uh, it's something I love at L'Oréal.
2: <laughs> that
0: reminds me of two things. One is um, certainly a, a, a number of times that I remember seeing a boss come in and and then do massive changes in in his usually his three year stint that really looked more like a burned crop approach. <laughs> And, and the person next afterwards had to clean it all up, bring his or her impact in afterwards. And it was like a revolving door of uh, massive change so that everybody felt that they're having an imprint. Yes. The second uh, thought is, um, and this is a reference to someone we both know, Dorian Delati, um, and, and Dorian brought to me one thing. When I arrived in Canada, uh, she pulled me aside and with great respect, she said, Minter, it was really literally the first days in Canada, I said, what's going to be your legacy while you're at, in, in this post for three years in Canada? And I was like, I hadn't thought about it yet. And so lesson learned, and within a few days, I really thought about what it was going to be, and then explained that to everybody, and then tried to go around putting it in place. And and uh, the fruits of the, the labor, which... Um, Hopefully, are still being felt today. Well, that was my experience with Dorian. Uh, so yeah, uh, legacy yeah, is such an important piece. Yeah. So um, another big thing we've obviously got in France the the law that the law Loi Pacte is called to to impose on companies to have a raison d'être, a purpose. And certainly, at my time when I was at L'Oréal, I left in two thousand and nine. It was not a topic, purpose, so. Tell us about the place and the role of purpose in L'Oréal these days.
1: Yeah, great. Well, topic uh, dear to my heart. uh, Maybe before I start uh, to talk about L'Oréal, I will talk about myself. So I come from a family where my parents are a doctor in public hospital, my grandmother was doctor, you know, my sister is doctor, you know, everybody's saving the world. Uh, and here I was starting to work on a cell shampoo uh, company. So uh, at the beginning, you know, uh, I remember three years after starting... I've been attending a talk with a, a doctor, a geriatri- geriatric uh, in charge of all people, uh, because we were talking about the boomers and the silver uh, you know, silver beauty. And um, and after this talk, I, I had three days where I said, oh, should I have been a doctor? Like, uh, uh, what can I do at L'Oréal? And then um, I step back, and I realized that, uh, Beauty can change the world, and I have this. Uh, I see beauty as something that is not superficial. I see beauty as something very deep. Beauty is a powerful force. You know that moves us, that connects us internally to who we are, to our own identity. Uh, beauty is diverse. Uh, beauty is also the beauty uh, of the history, of the culture, of the evolution of the planet. So uh, contrary to what some people think, uh, beauty is not superficial. Beauty is deep, and you can charge the world with beauty. And certainly when you are the number one beauty uh, company of the world, uh, working with uh, eighty, more than 80,000 employees, uh, with so many suppliers, so many uh, beauty professionals, you know, millions across the world, um, working, uh, you know, with uh, billions, you know, of consumers and talking to uh, even more, you have a responsibility. And you have a responsibility to be a uh, force for good. So the way I see it is always, um, you know, um, a purpose you know how can I uh so so you know our sense of purpose or raison d'être um actually it's something you you invited me to work on myself so I remember when you tell me think about uh, what is it for you I came with this idea of uh, innovating together for a more beautiful life and it's still on my LinkedIn today you know um innovating together for a more beautiful life and you if you ask me you know what has been driving me since uh, this time uh, when we had this discussion. Is this idea of innovating together because I can do nothing alone and it's because of the power of collective intelligence and teams and and conversations that uh, you know things are, are born and innovation is born. For a more beautiful life at one point, you know, uh, I I believe we have one life and uh, I believe we should uh, use everything we can, you know, in our professional and personal life uh, to have a positive impact uh, on our life and on the life of of others. So um, L'Oréal came last year with a new sense of purpose, which is called uh, uh, We Create Beauty that move the world, we create beauties that move the world and um, it encompasses you know, all the work that have been done since years by the group to have a positive impact, whether it's an environmental impact, we have the responsibility of the beauty of people but also the beauty of the planet, and um, a social responsibility. Uh, And I'm really proud to be part of a company that has been, uh, you know, having, uh, and it's something that is not known enough, uh, but social responsibility has been at the core of the company since the beginning. When Francois Dahl opened, uh, you know, uh, 50 years ago, uh, you know, uh, headquarters in Clichy uh, to create a dynamism and to have more diverse uh, workforce, it is social responsibility. When Jean-Paul Agon is the first uh, company, uh, you know, first CEO of the world to create um, a social benefit program that will be worldwide, uh, you know, uh, maternity leave, paternity leave, uh, retirement, you know, and we are the first company that created, we receive a phone call from the international organism of, uh, of work, I don't know how you call it, international, International du Travail, to congratulate us because we were the first company uh, to roll out a program at this scale, and why, because we believe that if we start, other companies. Will do it and maybe uh, you know government actually one of the topics um, that Jean-Paul Lagon our previous uh, CEO is passionate about is uh, what we call polylateralism polylateralism so what does that mean that means that the challenges of our time are so big do we truly believe that a president uh, for example in France or uh, prime minister uh, in the country here in the UK will alone solve the challenge of our time I don't believe. And you know what? Uh, while I love democracy, we have not find uh, alone you know, democracies that have been able to solve all the problems you know, of the planet. So um, I believe that uh, it's with ecosystem, uh, with, uh, and, and this is this idea from Jean-Paul lagon is with uh, when you have uh, a imagine, imagine we join the forces of, of governments, of companies, of university, of school, of citizens, uh, And also cross border, you know, if we work really together, this is when we can really solve uh, the challenge of our time. So I I see L'Oréal as a living company within an ecosystem. And I believe we have a role to play in this ecosystem. Yes.
0: (laughs) Well, what's interesting about that is um, Edelman that does the trust barometer, they have identified that uh, we live in in a world of fear and anxiety and And then the trust element, how much trust is there in the media, in government, and in business? And generally, the answer is not much. and and the the latest two thousand and twenty two, which I, I've just written an article about, um, very clearly indicates that there's no trust in government to fix these world problems. and i and I think it, maybe it's implicit in the study. But there is a feeling of more trust that companies will be able to bring better solutions, more operational, actionable, as you said before, solutions to help get us through this. Because of course, companies are, are partly responsible for some of the issues, whether it's palm tree, you know, palm, uh, palm oil or uh sustainable development issues. We've been part of that. And the other thing you you mentioned about the 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 way as a world is polylateralism i i remember very clearly how when the american companies set up base in china they established with courage um i'm thinking of ford motor company and general motors or ibm as ibm sir as ibm they they a certain standard for expatriates to live and that absolutely raised the bar for everybody else and we're talking many many years ago so i do i do agree and i can certainly feel how when a company Insists on a certain value around the world in business. It can help raise the bar for everybody. So that's a really interesting insight.
1: Thank you. Uh, thank you, Minter. Yes, uh, I think it's, uh, we all have a, a role to play, and uh, I still think there are much more to do uh, um, to create ecosystem. You know, in Canada, when I was in Montreal, we tried to create a you know a network called uh, French Touch Business, where where we will create ecosystem between research in university. A company, a government, you know, I, I still think we work too much in silos. So I know it's one of the topics I will continue to work on in the coming years because uh, I think magic happens when uh, when you put uh, everybody together. You know, uh, it's the same for us with industry. When we talk about two topics I'm passionate about, you know, uh, with a professional product division, is uh, uh, when you t- tell me, if you ask me what is your purpose and what do you concretely turn uh, this sense of purpose into a reality. For me, there are two topics that I'm quite passionate about is, uh, of course, the sustainable transformation of salon well, as the first one. And the second one is uh, uh, making sure that all the salon uh, in the country are catering for every uh, type of need and all their type, which is uh, not yet the case today because gap in, uh, in product in the past, uh, now it's filled and, and in education. And, um, and, and here, what is very interesting is uh, we are a product company, but we work also with trade bodies, with hairdressing school, with uh, all, uh, you know, the salon. So it's it's kind of all the chain that is going to drive together, of course, with media, uh, this transformation. And I think when you work together, you know, uh, uh, on all the value chains, this is when you can sustainably, you know, uh, drive change. So um, yeah, I'm quite passionate about this topic.
0: (laughs) That's very much resonates with what I call the inside out model, where you start with a process and which is within your team, that your team internally, knows it, believes it, trusts it with transparency. And then throughout the value chain, there's a consistent message adapted to each one accordingly. And the other comment that you make me think of is with regard to universities. And and one of the challenges in, in education around the world is bringing people up or educating them to understand how to deal with challenge, not just to fill your head with great information and facts about the, the the Battle of Hastings or, or Waterloo or whatever to bring up something most conflictual for French people. Um, but um, <laughs> le- learning how to deal with the challenges of life. And I think that businesses have a, a there's sort of a duty to bring back into universities, that life is full of shit, life is full of negatives, life is full of challenges. And actually, that is what characterizes life so learn to deal with the difficulties don't bring up children and and students to think that it's all about 102 percent
1: it's it's very inspiring what you tell me it make me think about my you know how uh, you know myself i've been uh, i find energy uh, you know to address a challenge at work on how do i educate myself you know uh, to find answers so um for example, during COVID, uh, you know, uh, lockdown one, you know, I went uh, running every day, listening to podcasts, some of yours, of course, uh, and, um, and one podcast on history a day, you know, and for example, you know, uh, hearing the difficulty of people during uh, First World War, when they thought the first year that the battle will last two months, like we thought COVID would last a very short period of time, uh, was very inspiring because straight away I said, okay, they thought it will last two months, but it lasts four years. So I need myself not only to be prepared for a COVID of two months, uh, but I need to be prepared. What if it was lasting four years? What is my role as a leader? Uh, Of course, uh, not uh, sharing this uh, frightening news with the team, but... uh, uh, being preparing uh, you know for a short term and longer term plan and preparing for business uh, contingency. so history and war period for me are a source of inspiration. Art of course is a source of inspiration for me when you say tackling the challenge of life. of course art helped me. One of the ones that I'm quite passionate about I, I told you about military sports. So, uh, sport has always been a huge part of my life. Lucky me, together with my twin sister, you know, we have been uh, competing in swimming and uh, swimming two hours a day when I was uh, when I was a kid. Uh, since then, so doing some triathlon. Uh, stopping too much when I had kids. I now being back uh, at it. I must say I I, um, I take a lot of inspiration from uh, sport people. Uh, whether they are uh, valid or they carry an handicap. Um, the level of challenge that people have to go through, uh, and, and um, there are so many things I love about sport. You know, uh, first it's um, the effort culture. Like uh, you know, you talk about the young generation, um, and, and you know we had many conversations together on that. Um, I have a passion, you know, for uh, uh, people putting effort uh, every day. With consistency, uh, with methods, uh, into um, uh, life is hard, and sometimes reaching goal is hard. Uh, I believe that we have are born with uh, what we have, and uh, we have a responsibility to make what we have, uh, you know, uh, the best we can. Sounds this- like
0: a parable from the Bible. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 yeah. We, we we're
0: born with talents. <laughs> if you have one or two or exactly. ten.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So uh, let's uh, let's let's put effort into uh, reaching our own potential and helping others reaching their own potential. So, I believe uh, in the power of effort and consistency and methodology. Um, what, what I get from sport is also um, uh, what I what I uh, what I love is also this idea that uh, uh, this idea of growth, you know, and uh, growth. Uh, of course. You want to win these other but it's always first a battle uh, between you and you you yesterday you today with a uh, high and lows with a uh, uh, big uh, moment of uh, uh, of joy and a uh, big deception and and success and uh, and, and deception so it, it's quite interesting you know uh, what a uh, sport can bring uh, more recently actually i invite everyone to listen it's a it's a team uh, member uh, that uh, that shared with me a documentary uh british one that really uh, Check my mind, which is called No Woman, No Try. It's a fantastic mm. documentary about women in rugby uh, and women in English rugby. Uh, I encourage everyone to uh, see it because, uh, you know, in this, uh, in this documentary, many things came in my mind. First, the idea that uh, you no know, breaking a perception, what does that mean being beautiful? Being beautiful is uh, being strong, you know, and in all its forms. Secondly, you know, if uh, maybe rugby uh, was in the past, and it's not the case today, but less enjoyable sometimes than uh, professional rugby men is because the women, they have less time to train. Why? Because they don't have a salary. They are not professional, there is not enough money in a professional sport and women professional sport uh, to make it great. So um, I'm super happy because now, you know, thanks to the documentary and the work of fantastic uh, player like Shenagon, you know, you have this uh, growing momentum uh, around uh, women in sport and women in rugby. Um, and, and today, unfortunately, there are still uh, two times more men that uh, practice some sports than uh, women. And there are many barriers to that. I really believe that uh, taking care of ourselves, of our body and sports is very important to be a successful leader in business. So, um, yeah, I encourage everyone listening uh, to think about what they can do uh, to do more sport and to encourage people around themselves or their team members to do uh, more sport. Because I believe um, the stronger your body, the stronger your mind. Um, I also, uh, you know, I, I have this idea also. Uh, I love uh, triathlon, you know, so uh, swimming, cycling, running. And I have this idea of uh, sportosophy. You know, it's a uh, it's sport, but it's philosophy at the same time. You know, uh, there are amazing moments uh, for you to uh, to escape, uh, to step back, to breathe, to slow down, uh, to get different perspective. You know, so I uh, what what i must say is that uh, these sportosophy moments are essential to my life and to my balance and and help me to come back every day at work with a different perspective and. Uh, yeah, it it, uh, it gives me energy. A little, there's a little plus that you told about, uh, you know, at the beginning.
0: Well, wow, those are so you've made two references to rugby in our chat, uh, one James Kerr's legacy about the All Blacks, and then no woman, no try. And I'll be putting those show notes where people can go find them. Uh, wonderful examples, of course. Being a rugby man for 18 years, I can only say, yeah like it so let's in the few minutes that are left with us Beatrice um, wanted to talk about digital in particular so we've had this pandemic uh, we've had the arrival of the internet lots of new technologies the mobile and digital transformation programs and there pretty much isn't a company that hasn't looked at and maybe probably struggled to deal with digital transformation so What have been the biggest challenges that you guys have faced at L'Oreal with regard to digital, and and maybe a a or two keys to success in making it work
2: better?
1: Yes, great. So um, maybe first uh, is that it started in 2010. So, uh, you know, the digital uh, transformation started in 2010, when Jean Palagon said, 2010, 2010, year of digital transformation. And uh, as always at L'Oréal, it starts by the nomination of an activist, uh, an internal activist in the COMEX to drive the change. And it was Mira Rocher, you know, that you know, Minter, that uh, we yeah. both uh, admire and love. And she arrived 37 years old in the COMEX uh, with an older uh, team member. And she came to um, first, um, you know... Uh, help the COMEX to understand what was coming. So she brought uh, all of them, you know, in San Francisco and uh, the West Coast. And they visit uh, all the GAFA, you know, all the, the big companies. And uh, they had a mindfulness experience, you know. and, and they Crazy! Crazy, you know. And um, so she started by uh, first having all the top leaders understanding uh, what it was. Second thing uh, she did is uh, building a roadmap with three simple objective to reach in five years. So, uh, you know, it takes time huh? good news uh, to do this transformation uh, uh, based on a three people three things you know it was uh, at that time you know we want to reach 20 percent of our turnover in e-commerce we want to have uh, 50% of the data of the customers that we interact with to deliver a more personalized experience and we want to have 100 uh, uh, percent of uh, love relationship you know with our with, with our customer you know if i remember well uh, at that time what was launched so having a clear roadmap with three kpis share globally with consistency a review at every meeting you know i think it's something that uh was very helpful. Um, one of the things I learned, you know, from Lubumira is she always say, you know, um, digital is the mother of all transformation. Digital is the mother of all transformation. If we think about it, you know, uh, whether it's uh, the freelancers, the e-commerce, uh, you know, the social media, everything is because of digital. So the tech, uh, you know, uh, tr- disruption, you know, has driven all uh, the human and experience uh, disruptions that we live uh, today. Another thing that I share, you know, as an idea, um, I, I agree with her actually on this point is we don't do digital transformation at L'Oréal. We just do a transformation. Uh, we do marketing at the digital age, which is totally different. Why? Because the purpose of what we do every day is not digital transformation. The purpose is customer. So we want to serve the customer the best using digital tools, and it's something I'm quite passionate about is this idea of human and tech, and I will share uh, with you some examples, uh, you know, uh, along the way. So what is um, what has uh, have been the key recipe of success for me? So first, nom- nominating someone in the COMEX, you know, that has responsibilities, that has the power that the CEO supports and says she's the one, is the one that will drive the transformation. Secondly, having a clear roadmap. Thirdly, um, investing massively. I mean, imagine we have, uh, we went from zero to 3,000 uh, digital uh, you know, experts across the world. Uh, I don't know how many people, but I guess uh, 30,000 of us have been trained uh, with uh, digital training, uh, with diploma. Uh, you know, you have to do exam uh, back to work, uh, you know, whatever is your role. Uh, you know, you, you may be a managing director, but you know what, next week I have to do my CM1, which is a very tough exam. <laughs> yeah, I may score very poorly, and while people thought I was good in digital, they may realize I'm super bad, but it's okay, I will do it because it will give me my personalized training plan and I will work hard to improve if, if I get a, a wrong score at that time. So uh, this obsession on learning, uh, like uh, we have a, you know, a structure just in charge of digital learning at L'Oréal um, is very key. And then is really uh, putting the right resource, you know, the transfer of resources of, of people from, for example, the field team to uh, uh, digital or e commerce uh, or social media across the, the last year has been massive. Uh, and we have really transformed and reshaped our, our full organization, uh, our way of working. Uh, so it, it, it's, and it's still happening because, uh, you know, metaverse, uh, you know, what's next, what is coming, you know. Of course, we have uh, to, uh, to seize new opportunity while uh, being focused on the present and mastering the fundamental because, you know, it's easy to, uh, see uh, what is the new fashionable things. And you know what? We still don't nail and we still don't master the fundamental uh, of today. So um, yeah, one thing I'm quite passionate about is um, on digital is this idea of uh, data to personalization, you know, because I'm passionate about uh, uh, people and customers and delivering a personalized experience. Uh, I am a big, big, big uh, passionate about uh, data. Uh, so, um, you know, my dream is that we have, uh, you know, uh, data of, uh, you know, 2 billion people in the world uh, from the moment, uh, you know, they, they become customers to uh, the end of their journey. Not to get their data, is to provide them with a uh, additional uh, you know uh, i want to, to have a positive impact in their life uh, i want to be there for a, a woman that go in maternity leave are uh, giving her the right product uh, that will give her the confidence you know uh, uh, to, to, to uh, this extra pleasure and confidence to be a good measure i want to help uh, a woman that is going through cancer uh, to find the right product for her skin i want to have you know like i really think that with data uh, we can be relevant, and and uh, and like you, Minter, I don't like when we lack relevance. I know you are obsessed by this topic, uh, but I think with the right data strategy, we can deliver relevant experience that had positivity uh, to the life of people. So because I like it, I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, I'm, I'm a big, uh, on the team, you know, know, know me on that. I'm obsessed with data uh, because I think it's the key to personal experience, yeah.
0: So if I may I think that first of all you are also exuding this idea of empathy when you do that because obviously if you you you, you lean into the issues that people have in a true manner uh, and you can bring to l'oreal that kind of a, a viewpoint i I think um that's really the way to, to touch people to move people because you're doing stuff that matters. So um Beatrice I'm very disappointed that uh, we don't have another couple of hours with you. <laughs> um, this is the this is I'm thinking what people who have been listening to this point have thought. Wow. <laughs> 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 it's been it's been crazy uh, fun listening to you your your energy is is uh, contagious. And and certainly inspiring. So, um, I would like to thank you so much for a uh, great, great event. Um, we we um, thank you for that. And and how can people follow you? Because you're quite the influencer online yourself, not just in the company.
1: Yeah. So Minta is the first one that told me to go on LinkedIn. I said, but uh, why people will be interested? I have nothing to say, and you say go on LinkedIn. Try to write a few lines on who you are, what you care for, and then try to start to like some posts. So I start to like some posts, and then they tell me now you you start to um, you you need to give your point of view and to comment. I said what, but uh, I'm not an expert. And he said go for it. And you know what this teach me is also to have more point of view on uh, different topics. So I think in the same time I'm developing, of course, my presence online to help me attract. More diverse talent uh, at L'Oréal, which is something I'm passionate about. You know, building dream team. I think it helped me also to uh, discover new people and uh, and to develop more different point of view. So thank you, minter for that. So uh, people can follow me. Uh, you know, uh, principally uh, on LinkedIn, Beatrice Dutzenberg. uh You know, Instagram is, is, is more uh, you know kids and family, but uh, I recommend LinkedIn, and I would be happy to to connect. Thank you, Minta.
0: You're beautiful, truly. Thank you very much, Beatrice.
1: Bye, Minter.
0: care. Thanks for having listened to this episode of the Minter Dialogue podcast. If you like the show or would like to support me, please consider a donation on patreon.com forward slash Minter Dial. You can also subscribe on your favorite podcast service. And as ever, rating and reviews are the real currency for podcasts. You'll find the show notes with over 2,000 and more blog posts on mintodal.com. Check out my documentary film and four books, including my last one, You Lead, How Being Yourself Makes You a Better Leader. And to finish, here's a song I wrote. It's Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man.